Hello, everyone. I'm Roger Armstrong. Welcome to uh, the Results Business Podcast, Episode 3. What a week it has been at Everton. Thankfully, uh, I'm joined by my good friend, Paul Viesk, who can take us through quite a hectic week of developments. Where shall we start, Paul? There was an announcement from the SEC. This is an American body. I think that might be a good place to start. What was said and what does it mean? Oh, um, first of all, good morning, Roger. Uh, good morning. Good morning to everybody else or whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this podcast without getting into talking the blues language. Um, yeah, the headlines, of course, have, have been all about the people that are interim directors and, and, and the retention of Bill Kenwright as, as uh, chairman. And no doubt we'll get onto that and explore yeah. that in great detail. But actually, the most significant news of the week is the result of many, many months of work, both by uh, Fahad Mashiri, but also obviously MSP Capital, uh, Sports Capital. And that was the the uh, the filing uh, with the SEC, which the, in, in the US legally they have to do so. That a limited partnership has been formed. Now, a limited partnership is a, a, a vehicle that people use when they're pooling uh, money from different places. So in this case, it's 13 investors have come together and they've raised between them $166 million, roughly uh, 130 million pounds. And that vehicle specifically is going to be used to invest in Everton Football Club. Okay, so the announcement mentioned Everton Football Club, that these people have raised 160 odd million dollars, 130 odd million quid, and they intend to invest it in Everton Football Club. That is in the public domain, correct? That, that is in the public domain. And there's two important bits of information. First of all, it, it is an investment that is intended to be used with Everton Football Club, and we can get into how it's going to be used in a few minutes. And secondly, yes. it's an investment that is managed by MSP. So MSP, who you know have been in the in and around Everton for probably more than six months, uh, they were there at the at the infamous Southampton game when the board went there, and they've been mentioned from time to time in the media, and you know increasingly as time has gone on, they are the people that are going to manage this investment. And when I say manage this investment, that means that they are they have the responsibility to provide a return to the people who have put the money in, and. Um, it's not a passive investment in the sense that they just hand the money over to Everton and they allow Everton to do what they want with it. It's going to be a very active investment. Okay. And that, sorry, just finished. That means yes. that they will be actively involved in the management of Everton Football Club, the company. Doesn't okay, mean- so they're going to have people, they're going to have people on the board and they're going to have other senior executives actually running the club uh, and helping manage the club and improve the club commercially and indeed uh, on the pitch, hopefully, uh, they're going to roll up their sleeves and, and get involved. That's what you're saying. Very much so. So a minimum of two people on the board and they are very much part of the uh, recruitment process for a new CEO and a new yeah. uh, CFO. Obviously, the business needs needs a new CEO and it needs a CEO that is somebody that can grab hold of the organization and change the first of all change the direction of travel change the culture of the organization um, but also somebody who's uh, skilled in two i think two very important areas for everton first of all corporate restructuring so you know basically shaking the business up and, and, and putting an appropriate structure in place um, so that it's well managed so that the right people are doing the right things and those people who uh, Currently at the club, perhaps who aren't necessarily the right people will be moved out and new people will be brought in. So all the critical areas of the club, revenue generation, uh, communications, uh, every every aspect of marketing, every aspect of, of what Everton Football Club does is going to be looked at and reviewed by the MSP people and new people will be brought in where they feel that the current people uh, aren't doing the aren't the right people for, for that job. So uh, certainly in the early months, very, very heavy involvement, a day to day involvement, having people on the ground, people in Liverpool, people in the Royal Liver buildings, managing the business from day one. They've, as I say, they're recruiting this new CEO, recruiting a new CFO, 
because obviously the finances of the club are still in a perilous state and we need we need a heavyweight somebody first of all who can manage the club's resources but secondly and i think most importantly uh, is a credible figure in terms of our discussions with either other lenders or other investors because whilst this money that's coming in from msp at this moment in time is very very welcome and very much needed you know it's it's only the beginning of an investment program that's going to go over the next two or three years okay great i want to come on to those people and how we're going to find them and what skills we need but just a couple of quick fire questions on this uh, actual on the financial side of things because what we want to do here is try and correct some of the misinformation or the misunderstandings that are out there so this money this 130 million pounds is now going into everton football club not the stadium that's your understanding right yes okay and it is still a loan they are not buying a stake in Everton. It is simply a loan to Everton Football Club, which may have some things called warrants attached to it, which can ultimately be converted into an equity stake. Well, it, it's, a, it's actually a very similar scheme to what Mashiri himself has done. So if you, if you, if you think about what Mashiri's done, over a period of time, he's put 750, well, since 2016, he's put 750 million pound into the club as loans. Uh, right. Obviously, loans that were not ever going to be repaid and loans that didn't pay interest. Um, and he's converted some of those loans into equity. So the 750 million that Mashiri put in over the last seven years, 300 million of that has been converted into, into shares. And what has happened, therefore, is that when Mashiri arrived, Everton had 35,000 shares. Uh, today, they've got 135,000 shares because Mashiri converted three hundred million pounds of those loans into in, into shares at a price of three thousand pounds a share. Okay, okay, a lot so, of num a lot of numbers there. But these ultimately are MSP friends who are definitely going to come in and roll up their sleeves and get involved in the day to day management recruitment of senior people. They will end up with an equity stake in the club. Well, that will, equity stake is to be determined. Well, they will because what what Mashiri did in terms of converting some of his loans in into equity. MSP yeah. will do the same. And, okay. But the really, the fascinating point and the point that's lost, I think, on, on, on most people when they talk about, you know, 25% of the club, blah, blah, blah. Um, the valuation of Everton Football Club as a business is significantly lower than the mm -hmm. £3,000 £3, a share that Mishiri last paid for, for his shares. Um, and the £5,000 that he paid initially to the existing Everton shareholders in, in 2016, if you recall, when he bought 49.9%, he paid £5,000 a share for... I do recall, yeah. Uh, you know, effectively half, half of the company. Subsequently, yeah. he then converted at £3,000 a share, which reflected the uh, sort of the reduced value of the club at that time. But today, mm -hmm. the value of that club, our club, not that club, the value of our club is even lower. And it's lower because... Yeah. Of the amount of debt it's lower because of the amount of uh, losses that we have it's lower because of the value of the squad is lower and it's lower because of the still ongoing liabilities in relation to the stadium one day the stadium will become an asset but it'll only become an asset when it's paid for and because it's not yet fully paid for um and you know there's somewhere as it stands today somewhere around about 350 360 million pounds still outstanding right. um that all reduces the equity value. So the, the 130 million that MSP are going to put into the club, they're going to put in at a much lower value, or they're going to convert at some point in the future at a much lower value than Mishiri himself did. And what that, means, what that means, Roger, and people are listening, is that ultimately MSP will become the majority shareholders. Okay, and I, I can see how I can see how that how that will work, um, because the individual the, the price at which they'll be converting to equity will be lower than three thousand pounds, and they'll end up effectively with a stake. You're saying in the majority, it'd be very interesting to see how that so, pans out. So, what um, will sorry, what will happen is at some point, and I don't think it's very far away actually. At some point, those loans will be converted into shares, and and I I understand. That it, all shareholders will be invited to um, acquire shares at at the new price, whatever the new price is. 
Um, okay. So it means that I think uh, minor shareholders will be able to invest in the club if if uh, if this scheme goes ahead as planned. It also gives uh, Fired Mashiri the opportunity to uh, buy more shares, but nobody's is expecting him to do that for, for many, many reasons. So he will just get diluted down to the point where yeah. he owns less than 50% of the club. And at that point, he then loses control. The, the moment MSP come in, he loses a large amount of control anyway. But first of all, in terms of the, the board members that MSP will bring in, but secondly, also the loan agreements will have mm-hmm. uh, will give MSP control of certain elements of the club, particularly financial control of the club. So, you know, we're going to talk about the board and stuff. But you know, what's happened here? This interim board are the last throwers of a di- of, of a dying empire. Okay. Excellent. We are going to come on to the board. That's that's item two on the agenda. A couple of final questions for me on this uh, investment from um, MSP Capital, MSP Sports Capital. Um, 13 investors, was that just a deliberately unlucky number that they chose? Sounds like a very Everton number to pick. And and, and, and can we, um, will we know uh, who these 13 investment uh, investors are? Does it matter? Uh, and do they all have the same uh, sort of motivations, if you will? I think they all have the same motivations that they see an investment opportunity in Everton Football Club. And that means that at some point in the future, they'll be able to exit that investment yep. at, at a profit. Uh, they're, they're not involved. They're not involved in, in, in the management of Everton in any sense. The, 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 manage, the management of this investment is M- MSP. MSP. So right. they're, they're just pure financial investors. Um, okay. We don't know we don't know who they are, and we probably never will know um, who, who who they are. You know, there's lots of talks about them being Middle Eastern investors in in the consortium, but uh, they're not. You know, it's very important to understand that this is a an investment whereby those people that have invested in this have handed over control of their money to MSP. So they've charged MSP with the the job of managing their money on their behalf. They're not going to be involved. Okay, understand. Final question. Um, we've talked about needing 300 odd million for the stadium uh, to, to finish paying Lango Walk for that, 350 maybe. Um, and this money leaves us with perhaps 200 million outstanding. Um, now, if you say it very quickly, it sounds very easy. Uh, JP Morgan and Mitsubishi Bank will therefore now lend 200 million pounds to Everton to finish off the stadium. Um, I was talking to someone the other day who's got quite a lot of experience in corporate finance and dealing with quite big. Uh, facilities like this, big um, capital projects, um, who's worked with JP Morgan and Mitsubishi, and he, he didn't necessarily think that that would be as clear cut. You know, they'd be signing off a check for 200 million quid pretty quickly, um, even with this extra investment from MSP Sports Capital. What's your view on that? I think, I think there's two things to consider <clears throat> with this. Actually, it's probably three things. First of all, Monsieur has been talking about this since 2019. You know, JP Morgan or Mitsubishi or somebody else would gather together a pool of investors um, or would provide their own money uh, to provide debt for the club to mm-hmm. make, make the final payments for the stadium. Um, we're already massively and heavily indebted. So the question would, first question would be, would, uh, would a bank be prepared to add more debt to Everton's balance sheet? Uh, if they do so, and especially if they do so in an environment where you know interest rates are still rising, the Bank of England this week—I mean, they're yep. American banks, and it may be American investors—but you know, the Bank of England this week raised interest rates. Uh, inflation is still going to be a problem in the UK for, for for some time to come, certainly up to the point where the stadium is completed. Uh, it seems to me that first of all, if you're going to go down the debt route, it's extraordinarily expensive, and yes, the more debt that we apply. To the club in the same way that Manchester United has suffered over the years, you know, 800 million pounds worth of interest and um, debt charges, which could have been invested in, in their team or in their stadium. Everton will be in exactly the same position that uh, if we ca- if we take if we were able to take more debt, which is what Mashiri is proposing, uh, it just eats into the benefits of, of the stadium, you know, uh, yeah. currently Premier League football clubs 
ignore Tottenham for a second because they did a deal before uh, pre pre COVID days, but currently Premier League football clubs are being charged something around about ten percent for their debt. So if you think you know we're already two hundred and two hundred and twenty five million in debt to external lenders, if you added another two hundred million to that, it's four hundred and fifty million. Ten um, percent that's forty five million a year in interest payments. Uh, yep. the, the stadium is going to increase the revenues that the club earns. But it's ridiculous. To but that's do that. going to all go out in interest. Absolutely. It's to do that if, if, yeah. if it all goes out yeah. in interest payments. So yeah. it doesn't yeah. make sense. And then, you know, So what's the solution if it doesn't make sense? If Even if the banks were prepared to lend it, which they may or may not be, um, adding £20 million a year of, of debt costs, what, what, what are the other alternatives then? I mean, Mashiri's got nothing left in his piggy bank, has he? He can't just pull out £200 million quid. No, he can't. And, and there's no um, realistic prospect of him being able to do so or having any, any desire to do so, given how much money he's already put into the club. The, yeah. What will happen is that there will be there will be a continuation of this first investment that MSP. Has. I see. So they will right. they will raise more. I I believe they will raise more money, maybe in another two or three tranches, and that money will be converted into equity, which is why you know from the from the beginning of this month I said that Nishiri will lose control of the club because when it, when it when it is converted into equity. Uh, it will increase MSP's shareholding in, in Everton Football Club to the point where Mashiri, um, like like all of us, will become a minority and, in fact, possibly even a minor shareholder, uh, okay. depend, depending upon how much money is needed to be raised and what what price that money is then converted into shares. Okay, so you're saying. This is this is actually quite a, a piece of almost breaking news that the ESC is saying it's highly unlikely that JP Morgan and Mitsubishi Bank are going to lend us 200 million quid extra. Uh, that money is more than likely to come from tranches two and three of an MSP sports capital funding round. Correct. Yeah. Right. OK, that's so, uh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. I think it's another form of misinformation that's been yeah. put, put out by uh you know, Mishiri and Mishiri's people. Um, I know. Yeah. I know you want to talk about this uh, late, later in, in the podcast. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it next because okay. the next issue. The next issue is obviously we had this SEC announcement. Funds have been raised. Great news. And then forty-eight hours because I think the clock had stopped in the Royal Liver Building. So the forty-eight hour deadline uh, didn't didn't pass until uh, you know the middle of the week, whenever it was. Wednesday was it? Um, when they announced this interim. Uh, these interim appointments and the fact that Bill was staying on. Um, yet my question in all of this is the club make a statement, right? It comes out at Everton, make a statement. And uh, it's it's released to the media at whatever time it was released to the media, 10 o'clock in the morning, I believe. Mm. Um, who is the club? Because I've talked about this on other podcasts. The club made a statement. Now, who is the club? What is the club? Because actually that statement was a Farhad Mashiri statement. Or was it a Bill Kenwright statement? Because there are these two egos at play. Bill and Farhad. Bill, the world's greatest blue, the chairman, been there forever, and Farhad. Seeking to sort of lightning rod each other, it appears. So who is the club? Who is putting this statement out there? Um, regardless of the names, the fact that Colin Chong is stepping up to be interim chief executive and there's a new chief uh, financial officer in an interim basis and uh, Mr Spellman is joining the board and Farhad is joining the board but the whole Farhad had to persuade Bill to turn around and Farhad so pleased that Bill accepted his request to become chairman who whose statement was that because it wasn't the club's surely it, because there is no such thing as the club with these two egos fighting against each other what's your take on that well there's a huge amount of spin going on from exactly from uh, from the Mashiri camp and from uh, let's call it the Kenwright camp, uh, which is you know ludicrous because th there is you're absolutely right that there is no public face of Everton Football Club who is speaking on behalf of the club at this moment in time. What we're getting yep. is announcements from people who are protecting their own self interests, and one of the really shameful things about this whole episode since since January is that. 
there's been nobody that's been prepared to put themselves in front of a camera or on a podcast yeah. or on radio or in print and talk about the needs of the football club as against the needs of their own position. And yeah. what we've seen in the last, notwithstanding the fact that the investment is the most important news, what we've seen in the last uh, 11, 12 days now, since the 12th of June, is just people protecting their own interest, regardless of the impact that that has on the football club. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a shameful period for those, for those individuals. And if any of those individuals think that <clears throat> at some point in the future, when they leave the club, they're going to be rewarded or people are going to talk fondly of their time at Everton and what they did for the club, even fired Mishiri in terms of the stadium. Um, if that is the case, that's done on the, on the basis of it, it's a falsehood because these are people who are just protecting their own interests at this moment in time. Bill Kenwright and fired Mishiri in particular are spinning stuff and putting stuff out to favoured journalists which don't reflect the reality of the situation. The idea that... Um, well, that, that, that's what I want to ask about this specific negotiation, because two or three weeks ago, you drew our attention to an agreement, uh, I think a formal agreement um, between Bill and Farhad at the time Farhad came into the club in 2016, uh, that Bill could sell his shares or any portion of his shares at a certain price to Farhad whenever he wanted. Um, and that might explain a delay. Um, now, this week, we've been told from one of the two spin factories that actually uh, Bill had resigned and Farhad had to spend four days on bended knee begging him to stay. These four days of intense negotiations, they met face to face. Is, is that your understanding of what actually happened? Well, well I, I suspect they, they, they have met because I, I know Farhad Mishiri has been in London at times over this period. So, so the the notion that they've met is probably true, um, but you know what is the what is the discussion about? So let's assume that this agreement exists, and let's assume that even Fard Mishiri acknowledges that the agreement is there. Here we have somebody who's about to leave the organisation, having been in the organisation for many many years, having been a shareholder, acquired his shares, you know, over, over twenty years ago. Um, sold a lot of his shares to Fahad Mishiri in, in the early period of Fahad Mishiri's involvement. And he's now looking to get to maximize the amount of money that he can get for his existing shares. Why is he doing that? Well, one, because he's leaving the organization. And two, he can see what's coming down the track because he has more information about what's happening at Everton than most other shareholders. Um, and he knows that the value of his shares is likely to fall and it's likely to fall because of the dilution that I talked about mm -hmm. um, yep. earlier. So Bill Kenwright will do whatever he, he can do in order to try and force somebody to acquire his shares at a price that he previously thought the shares were worth as against what they're worth today. Fahd Mashiri already owns 94.1% as, as, as we know. And um, why on earth would he, assuming that he even has the money available, why on earth would he acquire more shares at a highly inflated price when he knows that down again down the track those shares are going to be diluted and therefore have less value? So you're in, you're in an impossible position where you have somebody who says, "Okay, if I'm going to leave, I want to sell my shares," and and there's an agreement uh, from the past where you did honour that agreement and you did buy shares off me at a given price five for five thousand pound. I, I want that to continue. Nobody, nobody in the right mind, even somebody with, with the track record of Fahd Mashiri in recent years, would, would take that deal because okay. you're throwing bad money, good money uh, after, after bad. So, but why should his departure, why should Bill's departure, which I believe is a prerequisite of MSP's involvement, why should Bill's departure be conditional upon that? Why can't the two issues be separated? One, the sale of the shares or the non-sale or him and him leaving? It should be. And this is where you, well, first of all, it should be. Um, and secondly, it should be set. There are two separate things. The two, they're not, the two connected. Yeah, they're not conditional. Yeah. And, and, and secondly, you know, if you dip in, if you dip into company law, um, 
all five Mashiri has to do is to call a, a general meeting with shareholders. He owns 94.1% of the shares. Now he could do that with a 14 day notice and he doesn't need anybody else's support to do that. And that uh, general meeting would have a, an ordinary resolution that said that uh, Bill Kenwright ceases to be a director of Everton Football Club. He, 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 could, he could do that with a stroke of a pen. If he got a few, few, let's say, friendly minor shareholders together and they represented more than, I think it's 1,219 shares, that would take it to above 95%. At 95%, you can call a general meeting at any time. You, you don't need to uh, keep it to, you, know, you don't need to provide a 14-day yeah, yeah. notice period. You could say, right, I'm having, I'm having a general meeting now, and that general meeting would do exactly the same thing. You would have an ordinary resolution that says, Bill Kenwright is no longer a director of Everson Football Club. And that could be done. That could be done now. So why was it, why was it not done? Is it stubbornness? Is it, is it Farhad just being kind and sensitive to his old mate, Bill? Or is it a lack of minerals? Or is it just a great big power play? Because is this not delaying, and this is the next thing I want to ask you, um, this transitional period, these people coming onto the board and this money that's been raised mm -hmm. in America, how soon till we see it? Because it's uh, coming up to the end of June. Season starts in seven or eight weeks. We haven't got many players. We need to invest in the football element of this football club. Um, so two questions there. Why, did Far, why, why didn't Farhad do it? And, and, and B, what are the repercussions for the timeline of the funds arriving from MSP Sports Capital? Well, it, come, it comes back to the central point that here we have two people who care more about their, their, their own interests than the interests of the football club. Yeah, we narrowly escaped relegation. We were, you know, a good save from Pickford away from from uh, going down, or a wonder strike from Ducore from 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 going down, and all of a decent save by Nick Pope. A decent yeah. save by Nick Pope against yeah. Leicester in the ninety third minute. Let's yeah. not forget that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how close we were, um, and all of the consequences of that. The focus of the football club, the focus of the people who own the club and the people who, who run the club, even the interim board, and we'll talk about them, I think, in a minute, yeah, uh, should should be on uh, footballing matters. Okay, there's a refinancing going on. There's new investors coming in, and, and I understand that takes takes time and diverts attention away from uh, the, the core thing about being a football club. But you know, we're rudderless at the moment. We can't do anything because we. We don't have the resources um, to go into the transfer win, into the transfer market unless we sell more players. We shouldn't really be selling more players because we've already got a weakened squad by virtue of the fact that pe some some you know, people like uh, yeah, uh, Mina, for example, have left and yeah. and end of their contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and others. So we we we've already got a weaker squad than we ended the season with. Um, the focus should be on what what is Kevin Thelwell and Sean Deitch doing in terms of uh, recruiting people that will strengthen the squad for what is going to be another difficult year for Everton Football Club in the Premier League. You know, well, the clubs around us will strengthen. Um, the clubs around us don't have the same financial problems, don't have the same uh, profitability and sustainability problems that we have. So we're already at a disadvantage in, in that sense. And yet we're at an even further disadvantage because we don't have the people and the structure around the club that allows Sean Dyche and allows Kevin Thelwell to get on with the job of, of improving the squad. And, you know, that's again, it comes back to the central point that the people who are running the club, the people who are owning the club currently are not serving the club's interest. They're serving their own interest. And I think that's, you know, that's a fundamental point that comes out of this podcast. That, um, yep. We're, we're sitting around. So if, if Farhad had asked Bill nicely and professionally to leave and if not had forced him to because he has the power so to do um, would the MSP um, you know would the, would the immediate transfer of 130 million pounds to Everton Football Club go through is, is is it conditional upon Bill leaving or are there other delays and what are those other delays um, it, I think that's one of the conditions of, of, of the investment that there's a new chairman and a new CEO um, 
that's certainly one 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 of the conditions. The fact is that you know the, the deal that's happening now is is pretty much the, the deal that was on offer in January, uh, and right. in January, five Monsieur was saying the deal was four or five weeks away. Uh, he's still saying the deal is four or five weeks away, um, six months later, and that you know just as with the stadium where we delayed the final um, design and we delayed the final sort of decisions about capacity and stuff that had consequences for us further down the track that nobody could have predicted you know covid the inflationary period that we had at higher interest rates so borrowing costs more delaying business oh i think always adds to costs and here yeah. we are yet again whereby the, the absolute um, urgency to do this is both from a footballing perspective, but also from a financial perspective. Andy Bell stepped in and provided a short-term loan, which reduced the, the financial pressure to an extent. But it, didn't, it doesn't put us in a position where we can easily improve the squad. No, and, but no, no, nor, of course but, not. But nor, nor do we have the people who can sign off on any player acquisition acquisitions that we may be able to do equally people players agents looking at everton football club you know realistically why would anybody at this moment in time commit their future career to everton football club when they when perhaps and probably they've got options with other clubs Absolutely. Uh, these, these, these are critical questions. And you mentioned earlier that, I mean, we've heard the names. We know Andy Bell's involved uh, and we know that George Downing's involved. Uh, and originally, and, and again, trying to correct misinformation without, you know, breaking confidences here. Um, there was some sort of assumption that, that, you know, the Downing and Bell was the dream ticket. Downing is the chairman, Bell is the chief executive. From what you're saying, that sounds unlikely because they're going out to market to find they're doing some kind of pre- high-level executive search uh, for a new CEO. That takes time. Um, and are you saying without a new CEO in place, the MSP money won't come into the club, regardless of what it can be used for? I think I think the money will come in bef before we appoint uh, new full-time executives. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's holding stuff up. But you know, it, as you're right, as you say, it takes time. Somebody who may be interviewed for the CEO role or for the CFO role. CFO role will almost certainly be in employment somewhere at this moment. Yeah, they'll have a long notice period, three and or six have, months. You know, it would uh, be normal. Yeah, 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 and you know that may be negotiated out, but it still it still takes time. It takes time to find those people. It takes time to convince those people, particularly given Everton's um, you know situation, that Everton is the right place for them to go to to advance their careers. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's not an easy. I don't think it's an easy task. Uh, recruiting a new CEO for Everton Football Club at this moment in time because okay. of the difficulties. No, 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 of course. And and it's a big risk. You know, it's a big risk. There's this, there's this big leviathan of English football teetering on the brink of financial peril and potential relegation. Um, you don't want to be the man or the woman who takes us down or, you know, so, so it is, it's a hard sell to anyone. It's a hard sell to a hard sell to an investor. It's a hard sell to a player. It's a hard sell to a coach. Uh, and, and, you know, what makes it so really, really dispiriting is that the chairman, the world's greatest Evertonian, seems to be the one who's kind of blocking that, that, that progress. Um, and and that's, that, that's quite extraordinary when you, when you think about it. Um, even when the money arrives, uh, Paul, 130 million, and, and some of that will need to repay Andy Bell. So let's say, you know, 90 to 100 million. Uh, is that immediately available? This is what people want to know. Is that immediately available to go and blow on Mason Mount or, or whoever, or, 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 or not? Is it just for general working capital uh, and um, you know future payments to Lango Rourke? How much of that money that comes in can be used to spend on, on, on players? And, second question, do we still need to make a sale before the end of June in order to get under the uh, sustainability rules? Okay. The, any new investors coming in, and any, any football club that suddenly gets a you know an injection of capital that they're never ever going to say publicly uh what's how, your understanding how much of that money is, is available in, in the transfer market because it, it then just inflates the price of, of anybody does, that's yeah. coming in so uh, i think some of it will be will be available for transfers but i don't i don't know what that figure is um 
some of it is going to be needed within the organization for working capital purposes because we're still you know cash flow negative we're running running run, running at a loss um, yeah. and some of it obviously is going to be needed for uh for, for, for the stadium in, in in the short term um but it, it will it will help us uh but to what degree it helps us um i don't know and i, and I wouldn't expect anybody ever to say yeah, well, that gives us forty million, or that gives us twenty. No, of course, whatever, whatever, of course. whatever, whatever the figure is. The second part of your question, in terms of what happens between now and the thirtieth of June, is I think we, uh, I think we will, will make a, a player sale between now and the and the end of June, which is next Friday, that yeah. being the end of our financial year, uh, and that will assist. Uh, but two things: one. Obviously, it will improve cash flow, so we will, we will have some money to spend based on whoever it is that we sell and what the terms of the sale is. And secondly, it will help us with our profitability and sustainability issues, which despite the fact that next year our wage bill will fall again, um, and it's you know, fallen now for two years on the run, but still represents a massive amount, you know, over 90% of our, our turnover. We, we having a sale before the end of the financial year will make our figures look better. Um, and I know from a footballing point of view, we don't really want to lose anybody. Uh, but, you know, that's the position that we're in and that's a reflection of how badly we've been run um, throughout the Mishiri period. So uh, to me, it's inevitable that we sell somebody before Friday. Okay. Um what else are you hearing in terms of uh, sustainability? Um, any anything new on the uh, Premier League inquiry? Uh, is it just still October? Wait and see. Uh, are you getting, hearing anything in terms of any likely sanctions, suspended points, deduction, fine, something of that nature? There, there was a rumor knocking around about ten days ago um, that we would get a suspended uh, points deduction. Um, yeah. But I don't. I, I think that was just. I think that was just a rumor. I, I don't believe there's any credibility in that, because to my knowledge, the hearing, the commission started, hasn't yeah. met yet, and is no. unlikely to meet before October. Uh, why is that the case? Well, the Premier League have to present their evidence. Uh, Everton have to have a period of time where they can, you know, create their defence. And let's not forget that with the changes that are being made at the top of the exactly. club, the people who would normally, the people who were responsible for the position that we're in would normally be the people who would be presenting the, the defence. Uh, those people Have aren't, left. aren't at the organisation now. So, you know, for, the, for whoever the new team is that comes in, you know, it will take a period of time for them to come up to speed with Everton's position, what Everton have done in the past look through you know previous board meetings look at the accounts from previous times look at the explanations that we've made to the premier league in the past in order to build a credible story now now one would hope that in the period since the i think it was in march wasn't it when the premier league announced uh, this commission was going to take place yes it was yeah one would hope that the the departing directors particularly denise Barrett baxendale particularly uh, Grant Ingalls, because of it, you know, with his finance hat on, um, would have done a lot of the preparatory work so that whoever's coming in uh, or for whoever is has taken over their roles, um, that they're well prepared for October. So, mm. but it's a, it's a great point because you know we uh, you know October will be here before we know it, and um, you know we've got an interim CEO Colin Chong. With all respect to him, who is a you know, project manager, and he's not necessarily going to be the ideal, ideally skilled to lead our uh, case for the defence. We may have a new chief exec by then, but all of this change doesn't help us making a, making our case at all. Um, no. uh, let me ask you another thing, which is an outstanding cloud because we keep producing them: the the Ancelotti lawsuit and the talk of um, some mention of Usmanov in those uh, discussions. Do you think that? Um, <laughs> How unhelpful is that from a timing perspective? And also because, you know, there's a bunch of people out there, Margaret Hodge, I'm thinking of, who is persistent in making her case that Husmanov is the power behind the throne at Everton. Yeah, and, and as journalists as well. That, that, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, Margaret Hodge uses uh, parliamentary privilege to make to make her points. 
In the sense I'm using she... podcast privilege to make mine. <laughs> in the sense that she can't be sued for whatever she says uh, yep. on the on the on the floor of the house. Uh, journalists have a much more difficult task with that, and you know, are being very circumspect. But there are journalists out there who believe that uh, Usmanov and Everton have a case to answer for in terms of who the club is you know, truthfully owned by. Um, I think just, just time will tell as to whether or not a journalist or somebody else is prepared to put their, you know, pop their head up and um, put the story out there. There has to be a huge amount of evidence, you know, and very um, convincing evidence for somebody to do that because quite clearly it will be challenged by Everton and it will be challenged by by Usmanov. And, you know, if you've got it wrong, you don't want to be at the end of it at the wrong end of a lawsuit, which is inevitably what would happen. Absolutely. Um, now, we've skirted around the, um, we've talked about Bill, we've talked about Bill staying on as chairman and continuity, a transitional period. Um, and, and kind of that transitional period, I understand it to be about as long as it will take MSP to get their money in. How, how long do you see that transitional period? And what do you make of the of those interim appointments um, uh, that, that, that have been announced um, uh, along with Bill staying on as chairman. If, if the terms of uh, MSP's money coming into the club are agreed and settled and signed, then the period should be very short. You know, literally would be Literally days. what, a few days? A yeah, few days? It, it would be days, yes. If the terms aren't fully agreed, or there's a uh, some form of dispute over the terms, then it may be several weeks before uh, that money comes in. What's your guess currently? Several weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're back in the uh, hamster machinery wheel of four to five weeks away. Everything's always four to five weeks away. We are, and that, and, and we're that, in the... that takes us to August, for goodness' yeah. sake. We, you know, which has implications for what we can do in terms of. Uh, transfer business obviously but you know we're in we're, we're, we're in this weird period now where we have an interim board the board if you look at it uh, and it seems almost impossible to say this but the board if you look at it actually looks weaker than the board that we had before well, well i think it's absolutely true i mean the avoid the, the the board is two accountants a theater impresario and a project manager I mean, yeah. come on! It's, it's 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 of course it's less skilled than the previous one. Grant Ingalls, as finance director, you know, knew the situation. Was an experienced sporting finance director. I'm not saying he was the best FD we could have had, but you know, if you need to make change, you have to re you have to replace with better. And this this board looks looks utterly well. Firstly, it looks disempowered because it's already called interim. So what the hell is it going to do? It can't plan for the long term. It's only ever going to be reactive. And 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 Mashiri's joined the board. Well, that makes no sense whatsoever because he was already interfering in the board anyway. So what's he doing now? Interfering in his own decisions, you know. So where are the new skills? Where's the new vision? Where's the new imagination? You know, it's not. It's a weaker board than we had. So it doesn't make a great deal of sense. It's a weaker board than we had, and it's an interim one. We are we are literally, you know, in in a sort of. Uh, just a, 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 almost a vacuum, aren't we? Uh, not just a power vacuum, but but an action vacuum. And and what we desperately need are decisions and changes and squad strengthening. And apparently, we need a new sleeve sponsor as well. So Christ knows. Well, look, we had a board of uh, of four beforehand, three of which were executives within the club. We, we now have a board of five, three of which are executives within the club. Um, Colin Chong. One would have thought has a very full diary in terms of his responsibilities for the stadium. And if he doesn't have a full diary in terms of his responsibility for the stadium, why not? Yes. So how, what, what's the impact of him being deflected or some of his time being allocated to the role of interim CEO? What impact does that have on the stadium? Uh, nobody is... I suspect before I've asked this question, nobody has asked that question, and certainly nobody has provided an answer before the question's asked. Um, and I'm noticing a real shift to, of course, Everton will be in their new stadium in two seasons' time now. You know, yeah, that, 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 that's kind of sneaking out, isn't it? That yeah. we're going to be in for season 25-26, not even midway. We're certainly not going to be in for the start of 24-25, that's no. clear. I'll, I'll, um, I'll get, but it's now drifting. I'll get on to that in a second, Roger. So let's just go, go through, the, yep. through, through the interim appointments. Um, 
James is, is a good guy, number two to Grant Ingalls, has yep. good, good relationships with the Premier League, which is important, um, and good relationships with our uh, currently supporting lenders. So, no, I don't really have any great issue with that. I think him or Grant Ingalls pretty much uh, do the same thing. And is course, he an Evertonian, though? Is he an Evertonian? No, I think he's a red, actually, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and of course, his hands are tied to some extent by the, you know this forthcoming investment. So yeah. he won't be in a position to do anything significant financially without the approval of uh, MSP people. So you've got that. Um, don't really need to say anything about Bill Kenwright. Uh, it's all been said before. And then you've got Fahad Mashiri coming to the board. Why, why on earth would he come to the, come to the board exactly. at this stage? Well, here's the reason. The, the, he knows that he is going to become a minority shareholder yes, at Everton yes. Football Club. We know, as minority shareholders ourselves, those that are shareholders, um, that you get no information out of Everton Football Club if you're a minority shareholder. You get the annual accounts just like everybody else, but you get nothing else. There's no general meetings or anything. There's nothing. You get no information at all. Michelle, Interestingly, do you think MSP will change that? Do you think that'll be one of the things well, MSP want to change? I'm not, General I, I, meetings I, I, and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I hope so, but I, I don't know. The point being okay. is that Fahad Mishiri would be treated like any other minority shareholder. Yeah. So yeah. how does he retain uh, knowledge and information about what's going on in the club? Which, after all, at the end of the day, he's put £750 million into. Um, mm. He sits on the board. Because it's only if you sit on the board that you actually see the board minutes. Yep. And it's only if you sit on the board that you actually see the financial information, the management accounts, which are presented, one assumes, at every board meeting. If, if he becomes a minority shareholder in the future, which I think he will, and he's not a board member, mm -hmm. he gets no access or should have no access to that information. So mm -hmm. by sitting on the board, it's a protective measure for, for himself. And of course, 94% shareholder, he can, he, can, he can make the decision that he sits on the board and nobody can, uh, nobody can alter that. So that's him being on the board. And then we've got this guy, John Spellman. And you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not saying anything critical about the guy at all. Uh, he's obviously, uh, he's a chartered accountant. He looks like he's had a very successful career uh, Orbit working for you know what ma ma major utility utility companies in in the energy sector and infrastructure infrastructure companies in in the sector, but he's seventy three years old and it looks like he hasn't worked since two thousand and thirteen because he he hasn't held a, a directorship certainly in the UK since two thousand and thirteen and that's ten years. He has a small consulting company of his own. Uh, which produces exempt accounts because it's, it, you know, it is a very small company. I, I don't know what, what does he bring to the table at this moment in time? He's got no, there's no noticeable uh, involvement in football, in, in the management of football. I believe he's a lifelong Evertonian. Great. Uh, but there's nothing in his CV, there's nothing on the public record that demonstrates or suggests that he, he brings anything to the table in terms of the management of a football club. So we're in a weaker position than we were 12 days ago. Yet the announcement 12 days ago was that we would be, that we'd, the club had spent a lot, a lot of time preparing for this transition. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. But the evidence, the evidence doesn't support that, that notion, at least from yeah, my perspective. I'd no, I, I, would, I would concur because I don't even know what the transition is. I mean, it's not really a transition for James to step up and replace Grant Ingalls. And there's no transition in having an interim chief executive in Grant Ingalls. Surely there's no transition needed for Farhad Mashiri because he's owned the bloody club for seven or eight years. Um, so, so this transition is what? The transition surely is the handover of power or control or the appointment of new uh, MSP people onto the board, and indeed the appointment of a new executive search for a new for a new chief executive and potentially a new 
exec or non-executive chairman. And um, if you were advising MSP, you know, where would you be telling them to look for 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 the uh, chief exec role, for example, someone in, in football or, or someone outside of football, someone who's a blue, someone who's not a blue? You know, what sort of background would you be looking at, Paul? I think who who they support is wholly wholly irrelevant. Yeah. And, um, so let's let's say that first. I suspect I'd be looking for somebody outside of football, somebody yep. with uh, experience of um, changing cult the culture of an of an organisation. So somebody that's stepped into uh, a recovery situation in the past, mm -hmm. um, somebody that's got uh, good communication skills, because I think that's yep. going to be very very important. Somebody yep. that can has uh, the weight has the um, the force of character to present strong arguments in favour of the football club because that the new CEO surely is going to be the person that goes into the commission uh, when it's held and says, okay, this is what happened in the past uh, and, and we don't necessarily agree with what you're claiming, but this is what happened in the past and these are the reasons why the previous people did what they did and we, we feel as if our position is justified on that. But actually, let me tell you, in mitigation, what we're going to do in the future. And you need a CEO who can walk into a room full of lawyers, walk into a room, uh, the three members of the commission, and lay out not only what we did in the past and justify why we did it and why it was compliant with the rules and regulations, but actually what we're now doing in the future and, and what we're going to be doing in the future, what we're now doing now and what we're going to be doing in the future. And present the case for the football club. So even if, yeah. the, even if the commission found us guilty of whatever it is that they are suggesting we're guilty of, that there would be strong mitigating circumstances and a strong argument for saying that was then, this is now. And, you know, we've got this fantastic CEO who's got a great track record in industry elsewhere, and he's coming in and it's a clean, clean room and new shareholders, uh, we're on a better financial footing. We're making improvements in terms of our profitability and sustainability. You know, we will be compliant next year, if even if we're not now. And somebody who can really present the club uh, in a in a totally different light to how it's been presented in the last six seven years. I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there because you know if we think about it. Just as you were talking, I was thinking about it. You know, the chief executive. Um, and communication is separate, uh, you know, is a, is, a, is a key part of that. But I think they need a strong, you know, communications director alongside them who can, you know, help with the messaging and can handle queries and can actually also engage with the fan base. God forbid that would be dangerous, but I think they need to. Um, but, but you know, I was thinking about it. You know, we've been through two relegation fights the last two seasons. And as far as I know, not a single player has said, oh, I don't fancy it. I don't really fancy playing under this much pressure. I don't really like it, you know. And, and yet our board and particularly our chairman, uh, and indeed our owner, um, just just gone hiding. And, and when you are the chief executive, um, you have to be the front person, man or woman, the organisation. You have to take the good with the bad and you represent the club and you take that responsibility. And obviously it's a major part of the first of the new appointments role will be to lead in that commission. But it's also to represent the football club to the media, it's to represent the football club to the outside world, to sponsors, uh, to the coach, to stand by the coach, to be there at a coach's press conference if necessary, uh, to offer support, to explain and communicate to the fans what the plan is, what the vision is for the next three to five to ten years, uh, and, and actually bring bring a, uh, the, the whole organisation together, bring the board of directors, the shareholders, the fans and the players and the staff together. That's what the chief executive needs to do. That's what the board needs to lead us, and that's where we've been lacking. And we absolutely need that brand new um, eyes and ears and, and, and mouthpiece for the club um, that can represent us properly and professionally in some very, very stormy waters and isn't going to shirk away from it. Um, and we do see other clubs where the leadership are prepared to take it on the chin and are prepared to front up. They don't all do, but I think as Evertonians, um, we have been starved of that communication for so long. And that is the single biggest change that, I was talking to MSP that they need to that they need to bring in that that openness that honesty as honest as you can be, but a clear sense of direction and real responsibility so that the fans can relate to chief executive chairman 
you know, John Moores, we all talk about him. We, we, we idolise him because of what he did, because of the vision he had for the club. Um, and, and, you know, it's a long, long time since we had that connection from the very top of the club all the way through to the players, coaching staff and the fan base. That's my company work for you. Yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely spot on in, in every, every respect. And I think, you know, there's so many different stakeholders that, uh, that the new CEO has to address and has to uh, comfort and has to encourage uh, that the, you know, a, new, a new Everton is, is amongst us. Um, but not least of it all... It has to be a new Everton. It has yeah. to be a new one, a new, yeah. modern, vibrant, vibrant Everton that embraces its roots but is ready for the 21st century, not stuck in the yeah. 70s and the 80s, you know? But not least of all, um, the fans... Absolutely. More than anything, it's 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 the fans and 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 the the whole alignment of ambition and objectives, so that we know where we're trying to get to and how we're going there. And if you can get that alignment with the fans and the club, you'll find it all naturally flows out through the media, and that you get the right sponsors, you get the right partners in place, that everyone is singing from the same hymn sheet. And, and you see that, you know, I, I see that very clearly. Manchester City now, very clearly. And it's something that our friends across the park have been masters of, barring the Hicks and Gillette scandal, well, not scandal, the Hicks and Gillette saga, rather, which they, you know, swiftly um, took action on. Um, you know, that's how great football clubs exist, a real connection between fans, players, owners, uh, and, and how they present themselves to the outside world. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the fans in particular, I think, need to understand and need to have the, uh, the, the comfort and the confidence in a new executive team, particularly the CEO, that they know is batting on their side, is know, that they know is actually working for the advancement of the football club, um, communicates, is honest, says it as it is, says that, you know, these are the difficulties that we face, new, new, new management, new investment, new shareholders, all of that's great, but actually the hole that we're in is so deep that it's going to take a while before we get back to a level keel. Um, but we value your support. We value your involvement. We value engagement with you. We value listening to your ideas, all the things that's not happened uh, for many, many years at Everton Football Club. Uh, that's the task of, of, of the new people coming in. Um, this interim board, doesn't do that, obviously, uh, no. and that's why you know to, it needs to be changed, and it needs to be changed quickly. And you know, as soon as is, as is possible, that right person comes in and, and performs the task and brings, you know, or MSP bring a new board in uh, that again reflect all of those qualities that are desperately needed. Great. All right, Paul, we've been talking for nearly an hour. I'm going to look to wrap it up in the next yeah. uh, couple of minutes. But just let me summarise in the correction of some of the misinformation we've had over the last few days. So um, there is going to be, uh, subject to the final T's being crossed and I's being dotted, an investment of some £130 million from a fund of 13 investors, which will be managed by MSP Sports Capital into Everton Football Club. That will naturally, over time, become converted into equity at a percentage which will flow out naturally and mathematically, rather like uh, Mashiri converted a lot of his loans into equity. It's likely that some of that money, whenever it is ploughed into the club, and it is likely to be weeks rather than days, some of that money will be available for squad strengthening, although we may need to make a sale before the end of June to give ourselves sufficient headroom. But what appears to be the most critical is the uh, search and appointment of a new board uh, around a new chairman and a new chief executive um, because the one thing that we don't have is uh, a club, uh, a club with an identity, a club with a voice, a club with a clear, consistent vision and values that people can rally behind. What we've still got is something of an ego power game being played out through different spins from different factions, which is fundamentally unhealthy and allows us not, uh, and rather doesn't allow us to focus on what's needed uh, which is improving a squad, which, but for the grace of God, would have been relegated. Um, is is there anything you'd like to add before we bid our, our listeners a fond farewell for now? Uh, unusually, I don't think there is. I think I think we've said pretty much everything that needs to be said. Um, okay. I suppose 
you know, one thing that we'd ask everybody is to uh, everybody involved in in the change process that's going on is to act in good faith, to act in good faith with regards to Everton, to act with as much speed as as is possible without cutting corners, um, and to remember that any delay, any unnecessary delay, any uh, alternative interest that people might have uh, will just continue to damage the club, that this club is in a desperate state and needs desperately needs turning around by good professionals. Um, and the sooner that we do that, not only do we actually get to where we need to get to sooner, um, but the re recovery task itself is a little bit easier because it, the longer this continues, the recovery task will get long, will get harder and harder. So timing yeah. timing is, is is so so important in this. Agreed. And um, final thought from me to good folk at MSP, and I'm sure that Messrs Bell and Downing are making this point to them. Football club is nothing without its fans. These fans have tolerated way too much for way too long, and uh, they deserve an awful lot better than the current state of affairs. So. Um, let's see if with the new money and some new people and some new energy, we can't turn this ship around and um, look forward to a season with an upward trajectory rather than clinging on by our fingertips. Until the next time on the Results Business Podcast, thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Paul. I've been Roger Armstrong up the Toffees. <laughs>